Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Anything Goes podcast. I'm your host today, Tim Gorton, and uh, Quinn is not here today, so I will be pretty much running the show by myself. Um, so just to get into, into some news, um, Philadelphia Phillies uh, pitcher Roy Halladay, who has retired, uh, he retired three years ago. He has passed away earlier this week in a plane crash where Holiday was the the pilot. Um, he was the only one involved that I know of. And uh, according to some reports and a video, he was uh, reportedly doing some some tricks with the plane and got a little too close to some water, uh, and he he crashed his plane in the the Gulf of Mexico. Um, Last night, the uh, Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals faced off, and Seattle Seahawks ended up winning with a score of 22 to 16. Uh, fortunately for or unfortunately for the the Seahawks, they are going to be without Richard Sherman, most likely for the rest of the season, as he uh, suffered a torn Achilles in the game. So a devastating blow to the Seahawks. Um, Russell Wilson. Had two touchdowns for 238 passing. Uh, Drew Drew Stanton had uh, one touchdown on 273 passing. So was it? It was a pretty good game last night. Uh, the only disappointment for me, I guess, seeing how I mean, none of the New England teams are in it. But the only disappointment for that would be both teams rushing was just awful. Um, but that's nor here nor there. So. Um, and in uh, Patriots news, they have made two additions to their team. Hopefully I can get one of their names right. Uh, they signed a defensive lineman, Ricky Jean Francois, I think, something like that. Um, he was uh, last known or last played with the, uh, the Packers. And they also signed a former Patriot, and former Packer that just got released, uh, Martellus Bennett. And it has been uh, shown, I guess, since the Patriots signed him, that he has been playing with a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum. Uh, both those things are uh, pretty pretty important. Uh, so I don't know if he's going to continue to play with those injuries, if he can. Um I mean, I don't know. I don't really know if we need him, though. I mean, we got Gronk and we got Dwayne Allen. I know Allen hasn't really, he hasn't really done that much this year, but he's still serviceable. I mean, Gronk's not hurt. I mean, I guess he might be an insurance policy for Gronk. I guess I don't know, but if he's got a torn rotator cuff and torn labrum, it's gonna be tough to have him play through that. <clears throat> and I don't know what the normal. Uh, time frame is for uh for those injuries because if he's if he's going to miss significant time uh it's just it doesn't seem worth it to me um but i guess i guess we'll have to wait and see the the both of those injuries were uh reported by the nfl network and eventually confirmed by adam schefter about the injuries um <clears throat> He was he was claimed off waivers. I should uh, should say that uh, 
he's so far he's had or for us last year Bennett has had uh, he had 55 catches for 701 701 yards and seven touchdowns so a pretty pretty decent year for him last year for us like I said I think I really think this is a this is just a um, insurance policy type thing for Gronk but it's just weird to me that they, that he's he's injured. Patriots know it. I mean, they didn't know it until after they signed him because he. I think he had to go through a uh, a physical, and they found both of those injuries. But I mean, they they could release him, I guess. Um, but we we just inherited his contract, so it's three years, twenty one million dollars. So I mean, I don't know. It may, I mean, it might work out in the long run because if we have him for three years, it's a good backup tight end to have along with Dwayne Allen and Gronk. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I guess. Um, going on into the uh, into the Celtics, their last game was uh, what what night was this? I think it was Wednesday night. They played the the Lakers, and they actually they beat the Lakers. With a final score of 107 to 96, Kyrie Irving has been. They actually, before I get into Kyrie Irving, the Celtics' win streak now is up to 10. They've lost their first two games, won every game since then, and I believe it is directly uh, attributed to Kyrie. Um, I went to the Celtics' second game of the season. And um, it was against the Bucks. They lost that game, and Kyrie Irving did not shoot the ball well at all. He uh, he got into the lane a little bit and got got his points that way. But um, the they they couldn't stop onto the Kumpo either, which they did a little better little better job the second time around guarding him. But I mean, they came out with a win. But Kyrie Irving also shot better um yeah to me i believe Kyrie irving is the reason why they're winning more games just because he's shooting the ball better i don't know if he's getting if he's gotten adjusted to brad steven's system or something i don't know something happened after that second game against the bucks where he just he just took off um also the play of uh aaron baines has aaron baines and uh daniel tice has helped out this team uh a lot and it may it may not show sometimes in the stat line but if you just watch the like watch the games and watch those guys play they help out so much like Aaron Baines has turned into that like almost rim protector on defense and um and he's helped out a lot on offense he's just he's so reliable and he can he can get those rebounds i mean against the lakers he had uh eight rebounds five were offensive and three were defensive so very good at getting the second chance opportunities uh, he's a very physical guy too watching him play he does some of his dunks and stuff he just, he just destroys people down low in the post uh, daniel tice is more of a he doesn't really have um Oh, what am I trying to think here? He 
he does the right things at the right time. I guess I guess if that makes sense. Um, so like his stat line will never be something, or maybe not never, but for right now it's not going to be anything extraordinary. But you know when he got his rebounds or he got his assists or he had his steals or blocks or whatever, they were when you needed them. So he finished. He shot three for six from the field, zero for one from three, two for two from the free throw line. So shooting numbers, okay. Um, he had five rebounds, two steals, three blocks to go along with eight points. So, I mean, that's 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 pretty good from a bench player. And you know all those things. I mean, he was at a plus 12 for a plus minus, but which is helpful too. Um, but, it, I mean, this, this team right now looks very looks very dangerous for the East. Um, and that's without Gordon Hayward. I can only imagine what they'd be doing right now if they had Hayward. They probably would be, probably would have beat the Cavs, and they probably would have beat the Bucks those two games. Um, now maybe they don't go on this ten game run, but um, it definitely they definitely would be it would have about the same record no matter what. And it also what also sucks about uh, well I can't really say sucks but. Um, if Gordon Hayward was here, you'd also take away minutes from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, but, I mean, J- Jason Tatum is making his case right now for, and this is way too early, obviously, but he's making his case for Rookie of the Year early right now. Now, against the Lakers, I believe he got uh, he got hurt. Uh, I think it was something with his ankle. So his stat line, he only played nine minutes, so... Uh, there really wasn't much there to dive into, but throughout this whole 10-game winning streak, he's played, him and Jalen Brown have played really well. The whole team's played really well, too. Also, what helps us is uh, um, Marcus Morris coming back from injury. This game against the Lakers, he was 3-for-6 from 3, 7-for-15 from the field. He had one rebound, two assists, one steal, and 18 points. So... I mean, he didn't get. He's not a rebounder. I mean, that, to me, I've never seen him as a as a really strong rebounder. Um, he only had one rebound in this game, like I said, and it was a defensive rebound. Um, but yeah, to me, the storyline is is Kyrie Irving and Aaron Baines really stepping up. And Baines, I don't think anyone really saw anyone really saw it coming. I mean, he had twenty twenty three minutes, eight rebounds, three assists. And he had 21 points. I don't know. I have no idea if that's a career high, but it's got to be up there. It's got to be up there. He was 8 for 12 from the field, 5 for 8 from the free throw line. He had a pretty solid night. Kyrie Irving filled the stat sheet like he usually does, 19 points. Uh, One steal, 5 assists, 6 rebounds. And then Jalen Brown, who actually led the team in rebounds, which, I don't know, it doesn't... it surprises me, but not really. I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird, weird thing. I mean, he's he's a he's a two or three, and he's getting the most rebounds on a team that isn't really strong at rebounding the ball. Like it was, it was him at eleven, Aaron Baines at eight, and Terry Rozier at eight. Like, how do you have, how do you have Terry Rozier, who's probably I don't have their heights in front of me, but he's probably one of the smallest. He actually is one of the smallest it's either him or Marcus Smart for the two smallest guys on the team and he has eight rebounds 
That can't happen. I mean, I know you're winning these games, but you can't have your your smallest point guard and a two or three getting the most rebounds. But I mean, they're getting the wins. That's all. It's really that's all that really matters right now. Um, if you look at the Lakers side, the Lakers side of the ball, the only things for them that stood out was Lonzo Ball didn't have a didn't have a good game at all. He had he had nine points. He had four blocks, which is that's actually surprising. He had one steal, six assists, five rebounds. So he, he, I mean, he got his stat sheet worth of stuff. But if you look at his his field goal percentage, it's just it's pretty gross. He was four for four for fifteen from the field and one for five from three, which is god awful. Um, that is not good at all. I will say one person or one player for that team that does look like he's he's going to be he's going to be pretty good is uh, Jordan Clarkson. He came off the bench in this one. He played 27 minutes, but he had he had 18 points, two steals, two assists, five rebounds, and he just I don't know just watching him play was actually he was actually pretty fun to watch. I've seen him play before, obviously. But I don't know if it's if it's because he's coming off the bench or what. But he looked he looked really good in uh, against the Celtics. Um, he was definitely tough to stop. Um, also, Brandon Ingram he had 18 points, seven rebounds, one assist, two steals. But he was a minus 12. Um, I don't really know how the plus minus works. But I know if you're in the minus, it's not good. That's just, that's about as as much as I know about it. Um, but to have 18 points, seven rebounds, to have a minus 12, it just it seems kind of weird. That just means he, or the, I think that means that when he was on the court, they, I don't even know how to interpret that. But I just know it's not good. But his stat line looks pretty good so i don't know i mean he shot seven for 11 four for or seven from 11 seven for 11 from the field geez i wish i could talk today um and four for seven from the from the free throw line and he only had two turnovers so i'm trying to think of where the minus 12 would be coming from but i i, I just i can't find it um another kind of uh surprise would be the play of brooke lopez he only had he had ten points, which is okay. Two blocks. He had three turnovers though, and he only had he had one assist and only four rebounds. And that's their center. And he was zero for four from three, which I don't think when he was in Brooklyn, I don't think I saw him shoot too many threes. So I don't know where his three shooting is coming from, but um, he was third on the team in three points attempted. So I don't only behind. Caldwell Pope and uh, Lonzo Ball. So I don't know where his three-point shooting is coming from, but all in all, it looked like a looked like a really good game from the from the Celtics, and I hope they can continue it. Um, their next game, let me look here. Their next game is against the Hornets tonight. Um, they are going to be home. They were home against the Lakers too. I should tell you guys that, but they're they're going to be home again tonight against the Hornets, and I believe they'll get another win and they'll they'll be on their eleven 
11 game win streak trying to look at their uh <clears throat> their next opponents after that would be so they play charlotte tonight in boston then on sunday they play the raptors in boston again and then they go on the road and face brooklyn and then after that so the next four games i think they have two they have two potential games where they could lose um charlotte and brooklyn i think they'll win and then they have toronto at home and Golden State at home. And Golden State, their game is uh, on TNT, so it'll be nationally televised. Um, so that kind of worries me. I mean, but thankfully we are in Boston. So, both and both those games were in Boston against Toronto and Golden State. So, I think, I think the streak might stay alive. It's going to be hard against Golden State and Toronto. Toronto... Uh, I don't. I can't tell which team scares me more. I would say Golden State scares me more, but Toronto is up there. Toronto is one of those teams that could give the Celtics a run for their money in the East, along with obviously the Cavs, even though they're not playing very well right now. Um, but like I said, anything. I mean, anything can happen. So to get into uh, some things that happened since the last time we. Uh, we had our episode. the uh, the The Astros won the World Series in uh, seven games. It was a uh, it was a tough tough fought series, but Game Seven was uh, kind of disappointing to me. <clears throat> it just wasn't really there wasn't much uh, competition. It seemed like from the uh, from the Dodgers. The only time they they showed some life was. Uh, was when Kershaw came in, but when he came in, it was kind of, kind of too late. Um, they were down um, a few, uh, few runs, but it just, uh, just never amounted to anything. Their hitting couldn't really, couldn't really establish anything. So uh, I mean, they, the Astros won five to one after a game six where the Dodgers won three to one. You'd think they'd come back. At home, game seven, they'd they'd fire back, but they couldn't get anything anything going. The Astros struck early. Um, they got up five nothing after the second inning. So, I mean, they didn't score any runs after that. And I'm pretty sure they just they just they honestly just hit you, Darvish, really well. Um, I believe after Darvish came in, it was it was Morrow who came in for a third of an inning. And then it was Kershaw who shut them down for most most of the game. He pitched four innings, only let up two hits, two walks, four strikeouts. Um, honestly, I, I probably would have brought him in uh, before Morrow, but I mean, it's uh, you can't really can't really go now because it's it's hindsight. But um, but yeah, they're hitting just couldn't couldn't do it i mean you go down the list taylor was one for five Corey seager was one for four turner was one for two bellinger was over four puig was over three peterson one for four Forsyth one for three barnes over four i mean it, it's just no one hit well in that game and i don't know what happened to it but they just were they did not look like the same team that we had seen previously in the world series um 
I, I mean, maybe they just got tired, but I really think what did the Dodgers in was game two. Game two, they used 11 pitchers. You cannot use 11 pitchers in the second game of the World Series. You can use 11 pitchers in the World Series. Don't get me wrong, but you cannot use 11 pitchers that early in the series. Use 11, 11 pitchers that early in the series, you're, you're, you're done if, if it goes longer than five. You really are because your your bullpen's just so tired. And after game two, I believe, yeah, they went they went to Houston. So yes, they had the extra day off, but that that really doesn't do much for a relief pitcher who just who just came in. I mean, some of the pitchers, yeah, he didn't really he didn't use that much in game two. But it's still the fact that you ha- you went out there. They probably hit well off of you if you didn't last very long. So then your confidence in sh- is shot. It just it d- doesn't make sense. I know you went into extra innings, but it just it baffles me that he that Dave Roberts used eleven pitchers to end game two. Um, it, it really is surprising. I mean, I know it was it was extra innings, which I get. But at the same time, if you look at the comparison, I know we talked about this last time because it was game two, and it was right, I believe it was right before we uh, we recorded our, our uh, first episode. But it, it just is so surprising. Like, the Astros used five pitchers to your, like, maybe it wasn't 11. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It was nine. Still, nine pitchers. Like, nine to five is crazy. And your starter got... It was was good. He just you took him out too early, like you you set up your bullpen for failure by doing that. It, it just it makes no sense. Hill lasted four innings. I know we went all, the, all over this all again, but it's just it is crazy. And then like after Rich Hill came out, you brought in Maeda, who did perfectly fine, but he only went an inning and a third. What what signaled Dave Roberts to pull him after inning and a third after only letting up one hit? That's all he let up. Everything else is zeros. I mean, granted, he didn't have any strikeouts, but he had one hit. Or he let up one hit. So what does it what does it matter? And then you had you had Watson come in for point two of an inning or two thirds of an inning. Didn't let up anything, which is good. Don't get me wrong, it's it's good, but you're taking them out too early. That's why you had to use nine pitchers. And then you had you had uh, Stripling. He didn't even go a third of an inning because he let a, he he walked a batter. That's probably the only batter he faced. And then Morrow was an inning, letting up two hits, one run, one earned. And then Jensen, which is very surprising. I mean, he he should have done his job. But still, he had three hits, one run, one earned run. And then you had Fields come in, three hits, two runs, two earned. And then McCarthy came in in the extra inning, two runs, two earned on two hits. Granted, they're probably home runs. But, like, right there, that they're, like, Maeda, uh, McCarthy, Fields, or not Maeda, uh, Morrow, Jensen, Fields, and McCarthy, their confidence is, is shot. And then all the other 
the other relievers that came in and didn't let up a run are probably wondering why they got taken out. Like, Stripling only lasted one batter, and it was a walk. He He's thinking now if... If I if I pitch, if I walk somebody, I'm gonna be taken out of a game. Like he didn't even last a third of an inning. That's the only batter he faced. Watson got taken out for whatever reason. I have no idea. He lasted two thirds, didn't let up anything. Then Maeda, one hit. Is it because he let up that one hit? He got taken out. He's gonna be. It's gonna be in the back of their minds now. And then you look at the Astros. Verlander lasted two innings longer than Rich Hill did, and Verlander let up three runs. And then their their bullpen came in. You see Harris went an inning. He had two strikeouts. Uh, Musgrove went an inning, which is pretty that that's pretty normal. Mike Maeda, I don't have a problem with really, but he still was pitching good. You could have let him go until like he got up to like two innings, then taking him out. That would have been perfectly fine. But Harris and Musgrove both went an inning. Then you have Giles who went an inning and two thirds. But he was one of their worst relievers. He had two hits on two earned runs. They were both probably home runs. Um, and he had a walk. Um, then you had Davinsky, who ended up getting the win. And he went an inning and a third, letting up one hit on one run and one earned. So it's just, I think you you didn't let your bullpen go long enough. The Astros played it perfectly. Verlander went six. Harris went one. Musgrove went one. Giles went an inning and two-thirds, and then Davinsky went an inning and a third. Boom. Done with the game. But for the for the Dodgers, you have four, inning and a third, two-thirds, not even a third, one inning, two innings, not even a third, an inning and an inning. Like, it's just it's ridiculous to me. I mean, I'm, I'm a Dodgers fan. I wanted them to win, but... Dave Roberts did not set them up very well for the rest of the World Series after that game. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't hate the Astros. Like, I, I actually kind of like the Astros. I like some of their players. Uh, I like Springer. He's probably my favorite Astro out of all of them. Um, and he ended up getting MVP, which is right, rightfully so. Um, it was either to me, it was either him or Verlander. Verlander pitched out of his mind in the World Series, even though. Except for game two. If you take out game two, he he was great for them. Um, but the Astros deserved to win it. The Dodgers came out flat in game seven with their bats. Their pitching was great. Um, even though, I mean, like I said, they let up five runs, which isn't good. But still, they got it off their starting pitcher. After that, everyone came, out, came in and did their job. Um, it was a... Yeah, like I said, I'm a Dodgers fan. I wanted them to win, but I'm not. I'm not mad that the Astros won. They definitely deserved it. It's been a long time coming for them, and uh, hopefully the Dodgers will get it next year. If not the Dodgers, I'm always rooting for the Red Sox. Red Sox are my favorite team. Dodgers are right there behind them. I don't know why, but I mean, I like the I like the Dodgers colors. That plays into it. And uh, a couple of my favorite players have played for the Dodgers. So uh, one of them being Manny Ramirez. He was traded over to the Dodgers. Um, and ever since then, really, I liked him. Same with uh, Nomar. Nomar was on the on the Dodgers for a little while. So I definitely, I definitely like the Dodgers for those reasons.
Um, also, actually, speaking of the Red Sox, they uh, since we talked last, they hired their manager. And uh, their new new manager is uh, Alex Cora, who had previously played for the Red Sox. Um, everyone kind of saw this coming. Um, I, I like the move. It's definitely... Uh, definitely a different direction than uh Farrell when he was here um and Cora's coming off of a uh, World Series victory so I mean he was only a bench coach but still he had uh he got some merit in doing that he's also the Red Sox first Latino manager which uh I mean it's not it's it's a important thing to know but that, I mean that, I highly doubt that had to do with anything with them hiring him or anything like that I think they just saw who was best for the job and they thought he was um and I'm, ex- I'm excited for him to be our manager he definitely had a, a pretty good career here when he was here and he's proved to be a good manager with uh or not a good manager a good good coach with with the Astros so It'll be exciting to see um, to see him manage this team. And I know he's already reached out to some players like Pedroia and stuff like that just to talk to them and uh, make sure they're all on the same page, which is good. That's what you want to hear from your manager. Hopefully he actually is doing that and he's not just saying it, which I believe he is. And uh, actually in, uh, in sad, sad news for the Red Sox, um, a lot of people may not may not know him, but he was a uh, a highly or he had a lot of a lot of potential. But there was a uh, a catching prospect for the Red Sox named Daniel Flores. Um, he signed with us in July. He uh, he passed away Wednesday at the age of 17 due to complications during uh, treatment for cancer. Um, it's very saddening news to hear that a, uh, a a young kid at the age of 17 passes away for from cancer, um, especially one that was he had a lot of potential for the Red Sox to come up. He was coming up through their farm system, obviously, um, and they they had a lot of respect for him, and they were they were hoping he he would come up when he was ready which was looking like it was going to be soon. He was a highly recruited uh, baseball player um, coming up. So it's very, very saddening to hear about that. And uh, we actually, we don't really mention it too much on on this show just because, uh, well, we don't really know enough about hockey. I'm probably the one that that knows the most about hockey, um, so I guess I guess we'll try and get we'll try and get into it. Uh, the Bruins are six five and three on the year. Uh, I believe if I look at the standings here, <clears throat> yeah, they are uh, they are fifth in the Eastern Conference, so they're not doing too bad. They're at fourteen points right now. Or no, sorry, yeah, fourteen points right now. So. They're not doing too bad. They're three points behind first. 
So that's uh, that's a good thing. But like I said, they are six, five, and three. So they got uh, they got the second most overtime losses behind Ottawa, which Ottawa is ahead of them. Um, oh, actually no, it's games played that I looked at, not points. Duh. So Boston's actually at they're at 15 points. They are two points behind Detroit and Ottawa, who are right in front of them. Uh, and then the first and second spot, they got the, the Bruins got some work to do. Uh, Tampa Bay's in first with 28 points, and Toronto's in second with 20. So they got some catching up to do in the, in, in terms of points for those two. But they can easily st- sneak into uh, third place. If Ottawa and Detroit both lose and the Bruins win their next game, which I think is yes, yeah, tonight at seven against Toronto, so that would be that'd be a crucial game for them to win. It would also take points away from Toronto if they got three points. If if the Bruins won that means they beat Toronto. So Toronto stays where they are. And if Ottawa and Detroit either don't play or they lose, the Bruins would overtake both of them, at least for the time being. And they'd be ahead of them by one point and behind Toronto by two points. So this game this game definitely is uh, is an important game for the, uh, for the Bruins. It's also important for the for uh, Toronto, so um, we'll see how well they do. It is at Toronto, so it's going to be kind of hard to go in there and get the win. Uh, I would, I hope the Bruins win, but I feel like Toronto is going to win. Playing an away game in Toronto is tough, especially when they're they're playing as well as they are, second in the standings. I mean, they're they're not they're there for a reason. So uh, we'll see how how that all plays out next time we uh we meet on here so i think that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode of the anything goes podcast um i would do i would go into more movies and stuff but without without quinn here kind of makes it hard to debate myself so um so yeah that does it for this time make sure to uh, stay tuned and we'll let you know when the uh next episode's gonna go up bye